Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Uh, This is Angela Loria, and we are here on Book Journeys Radio today with Cynthia Burnham. Cynthia, say hello to everybody. Good morning, everyone. Cynthia is the author of The Charisma Edge, a how-to guide for turning on your leadership power. And um, we are very excited to have her with us today. So thank you for um, for making the time to talk to us, Cynthia. Thank you. I'm excited to be here as well. Excellent. Well, we um, on um, Book Journeys Radio, we are focused on helping new writers who are looking to write their first book. And... um, they haven't quite gotten to the finish line like you did with the Charisma Edge. Mm-hmm. And so um, so what I'm trying to do as as a publisher and as a book coach is help find just those little nuggets that help people get from I have an idea for a book to I'm holding my book in my hand. Um, so I like to start by asking authors like yourself, what do you wish that you knew before you wrote your book? Ah uh, well, there's a there's a fairly long list, but I would say the the most the the most important things for me were that I wish I had done more extensive research around the other available books in the marketplace, because I am in a nonfiction area, a business book area, and it would have given me more information about how to position what I was looking at and how to make choices about the cover art and all of that sort of thing and who my potential competition would have been. I also wish that I had uh, worked to line up some good testimonials to put on my cover, uh, people who might uh, raise the credibility factor for the book that I was putting out. Other than so that, if, you had to, uh, if you had to do it all over again, mm-hmm. um, just to put it into a little bit of context, why don't you tell us about your book, and now now that you, I'm guessing, know the marketplace a little bit better, yes. how is your book different? Like, what is the, how would you position it differently now? Well, um, my book, The Charisma Edge, is a guide. It's supposed to be a handbook, and it contains 101 tips on how to become more powerful and com- compelling in an authentic way for people who want to develop their ability to be inspirational, to be commanding, to connect better with the people around them. And it's very... Uh, that's a great subtitle, 101 <laughs> Tips to Be More Inspirational. Oh, uh, like... well, it's, uh, that's one of the subtitles that we did consider, and I was recommended to me that I went instead with a how-to guide for turning on your, uh, le- your leadership power because I was going after the business book market in particular. And also they said if I changed my mind and wanted to add more tips, then I would have to change the title. That's a good point. (laughs) Yes, yes. So the way that my book is different from other books on typical subjects out there, on the same kind of subjects out there, is that my book is not a philosophical home-based book where you read lots and lots of stuff and it's all heady and philosophical. Mine is, these are the things you actually need to do. This is the way you stand, this is the way you talk, this is the way you gesture, and it's based on what I saw through now more than 30 years of experience in the corporate world and also as an independent consultant. So, And the way that I have realized now 
is I didn't look carefully at the way that business books in my niche were being marketed, and so my book looks different, and it's set up a little bit differently, and it's marketed differently than some of the other books, and I'm not certain that's to its advantage. Okay, I was going to say, that could be good. it, It could be good, but I really think that when I see the books that are selling and that are on the bestseller lists, and I I go through and I look at what are the Amazon top 100 business books, for example, which was a nice way to research that I didn't do ahead of time, okay. unfortunately, was, and how do they look? How do the top 100 books look? And my book doesn't look like that. And I think, now, so this, yeah. that's such a great, practical, like, easy, it kind of fits with the way you've yep. designed your book. Like, it's just yep. a really tangible, doable task for for new authors. And um, one of the things that I have found with the authors that I work with is, like, right now you're so confidently saying that you would be looking in, I don't know, maybe business or business leadership mm-hmm. um, when you're looking on Amazon categories. But a lot of authors I talk to feel like their book is different. They don't want to pick a category. It goes across a lot of categories. It would help lots of people. Mm-hmm. It's leadership for parents, but it's leadership for business people, and it's also leadership for volunteers and leadership for teens, and charisma is important to everyone, yes. which I think is true. I do, um, too. And so, ha- so do- when you went into your project, mm-hmm. did you know – this is a business book and I'm interested in reaching business people, and do you recommend that kind of clarity or was that a process for you? Well, when I went into it, the answer is yes and no. (laughs) When I went into it, I knew that it was going to be a business book because I do business coaching and I knew that I had to have a book for business coaching. So I knew that I was into that narrow a focus myself. Do I think it applies to everyone? Yes, I do. I didn't know how to write it for everyone. And I I absolutely recommend myself a certain amount of clarity, and I don't think I narrowed my niche enough. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, I I can say to you, yes, everything that I teach applies to everyone. I know it does, and I'm positive that it does. However, people don't look for books that way. They look for books that apply to them, I think. And so they they look for, I'm a corporate leadership person, and so I'm going to look for that. I was It was recommended to me that I narrow it down and consider taking a look, for example, at Charisma for Women for a variety of reasons that have to do with who I am and who the market buying this sort of thing is. But I refused because I didn't want to narrow my niche, and I and I don't know yet whether that's the best uh, decision. Mhm. Well, I think it's something that's scary, and yes. uh, I think books feel, I don't know, permanent, or somehow they're like, I'm your permanent record, and it's like, well, you don't want to write. Like I've had people tell me, well, I don't want to write a book just for artists. Right. I don't want to write a book just, you know, like that feels small to me. I want to write a book that feels bigger. Um, and so I think one of the things that I tell my clients anyway that will help is having a goal for your book. So I'm wondering if when you started, did you have a specific goal of what success would look like? That's a very interesting question. And I would say that my my goal... 
my goal had to do with whether it had to do with more of an internal goal than an external goal, if that's helpful. Mm-hmm. It wasn't mm-hmm. I need to sell this many books. It wasn't I need to do this. It was can I put this book out there and know that what I've written will work for the market that I've chosen? Can I feel that in my bones? And when I hand it to a person, can I hand it to the person without being embarrassed or making excuses, but saying this will help you and feel confident in that? Now, that said, I have my own personal goals around that I would like to have it drive a certain amount of business to my website, have a certain amount of business come in through my workshops and the one-on-one coaching that I do. But those are not as specific as they probably should be. Uh-huh. So. Well, yeah, and I think that um, even knowing that it was a book that was connected to your business mm-hmm. isn't always – that's not always as obvious, I think, as it was for you. Did you have a did you have a role model? Like, how did you make that connection? Oh, I should write a book that helps me get business. Ah, uh, well, I can tell you, I had a negative role model. Okay. Which, <laughs> which was that I had been going along thinking that I could continue to develop my own business and what I cared about based on my credentials, and I have, you know, I have very good credentials. Uh, business credentials. And I went to a talk and I saw this woman get up whose credentials were far weaker than mine, who had written a book that wasn't that good because I had looked at it ahead of time, although I was interested in the topic. And I saw people swarming around and talking to her and signing up to work with her. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's because she's written this book. She's Mm -hmm. the author of. It's so powerful, isn't it? My gosh. And I will say to anyone out there who is considering writing a book for credentialing purposes, because my goals were around, this is going to serve as a credential, this is an expensive brochure, and it's my curriculum. Those were my three Mm -hmm. goals. And when I did that, I said that it would probably raise my credibility. The difference in my credibility is not measurable. It's huge, on a huge end. It's the way I'm I have really good credentials, but the way that I'm treated now with a published book versus how I was treated as the same person without a published book, I can't even express to you how great that difference is. Wow. If if you're thinking about, anyone out there, if you're thinking about writing a book that's connected to something that you do, that's going to provide credibility for whatever that you do, whether it's... uh, creative writing and on the fictional side or whether it's on the nonfiction side as mine is, people still honor the published author over the author wannabe. Wow. It's it's a huge difference. That is fascinating. And so for you, even if you didn't, a, a lot of people that I talk to go into writing a book with you know, it's sometimes it's a classic New York Times bestseller. Right. I remember one client I work with said, you know, t- I want to sell 10,000 books. Mm-hmm. Like they had, she had a very specific number. And and so for you, even if you, you know, didn't sell that many books, even if you only sold, uh, I don't know, 100 books to your friends and family, mm-hmm. just having that credit of having written the book and being able to hold it, you think that 
that alone has added, uh, you know, credibility and maybe clients or, like, is there a financial upside even even beyond the book sales? Oh, absolutely. There are two financial, there are two upsides for me. The first is that I am getting royalties. I have not yet made back my costs, but I put some significant amounts into marketing, so I'm I'm okay with that. The other thing that, and so it, it, and it is driving people to me, driving people to my website, driving people to my business. The other insight that I had when I was watching this person I said was the negative role model, mm-hmm. I said the people are buying her books and they're buying them not for the books, which is the nice financial piece because you, you know, make money off the books. They are buying them as souvenirs. Mm-hmm. They are buying them it's as merchandise, as and they want to go home and say, "I saw this woman speak today." Exactly. So it then, yeah, I heard some shocking stat that something like seventy-five percent of books that are purchased go unread. Yep. Which I've like, heard the I'm same such a book reader. I, like I, I'm like, what? How do people not read them? Well, I'm the same way because I am a reader myself. I also heard that on business books, even of those seventy-five percent that don't of the of the 25% that read the book, only mm-hmm. like 30% read past the first three chapters. Oh, wow. So the number is smaller, so it's really a souvenir. However, it provides money. It has gotten me significantly higher numbers of speaking engagements. So mm-hmm. it's very much driven my speaking business because people who want to hear speakers want to hear published authors as speakers. And and what was your what was your publishing route? How did you publish your book? I I made a personal decision to become independently published through CreateSpace. Okay. And I made that decision and by the way, I will also highly recommend to anyone out there using a book coach. I myself used a book coach. Uh, so I uh, found it kept we me on track. We appreciate the endorsement, uh, I, the book coaches of the world. Thank I, you for that. I could not have done it without my book coach, who kept me, who did not write for me, however, kept me on track with deliverables so that I had to perform and you know come mm-hmm. up with chapters. So what I did, I decided that I wanted something that I had complete control over. I wanted something where I would get a higher percentage of the royalties and wanted something that would be done more quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't want to do the trade-off of the, where you get the benefit of the name and the marketing of a, a large publisher, a traditional publishing house. And that was also in part because I had had friends who had published through traditional publishers, and again, they, they lost hated control. hated their publisher. Pardon me? Yeah. And they probably hated their publisher. Yes. They, well, they didn't hate them, but they said you, all those things that you're talking about you have to do on your own, your marketing and that. They said, I had to do that. Yeah, I made a little bit more money, but it, they didn't do – I lost money on the other side with the uh, not getting at the high royal, royalty rate. So on the one hand, I got a small advance, under $5,000 advance, and the, they didn't do anything for me, and they take a cut of all the royalties. So right. I thought, well – um, I'm not going to go that way. And has that been an impediment? Like, have you ever tried to book a speaking engagement and somebody asked your publisher and it had a negative consequence for you? The only people so far who have responded with even noticing who published the book 
were people who published books or who were involved in book publishing. Okay. <laughs> or, or other writers or other people who have written books. I right. have never yet had one person come up to me and say, oh, huh, I see you are published independently. I'm not going to buy your book because they're not buying it for that reason. They're buying it because it's my credential. Or my mm-hmm. And they're buying it as a souvenir. Right. So nobody's asking where you got your T-shirts printed at a rock concert. They exactly. Exactly. The rock concert shirt. Now, the one thing about self-published books that I have noticed is sometimes you can tell they're self-published, mm-hmm. um, maybe the design or the quality of the paper, things like that. Was that something you were worried about? And if so, how did you address that? Well, I, I was worried about it. And so I... Uh, and so I went around to people I knew and got copies to see what their books looked like to see if they were within my kind of my quality range. I also uh, was ex- I was very how do I call this limited in my expectations about what they might do, and so made a decision that I would be extremely careful about who I hired to do my my cover design. I would have backup proofreaders. I bought the proofreading services that are available, but I had backup proofreaders as well. I didn't assume that they would do everything up to the quality of a major publisher, and that proved to be true. So the one caveat, the downside-ish thing of the self-publishing route is that you do have to take more personal control if you want to have a product that's going to be up to your standards. Where you're, you know, where you're, you you do have to be thoughtful about um, how the design goes or how the or what what you're giving to them. But I didn't have, in terms of paper quality or the quality of the printing or the the general overall work that was done for me. I was I was very happy with it. I would I would go that route again. And how did you, um, it sounds like you did recommendations as well as the create space vendors. Is that kind of, it was a combination of people that you had found through friends or through your book coach? Correct. And then the people provided by create space? Yes, yes. Okay, so people ask me this all the time, and um, I don't know if it's something you'll be comfortable sharing, but I know it's a big question a lot of new authors Mm -hmm. have, which is if you're going the self-publishing route, how much should I budget, and how do I, you know, how many different people should I hire? Should I go to a one-stop shop like an author house or something where they'll Mm -hmm. do everything, or should I break it up, and, and how do I know what if I'm, you know, spending too much? Ah, well, as far as a specific number, it depends sort of on what you count. And uh, if you count my book coach, for example, which was a, a fairly significant number that I wouldn't really be comfortable sharing, uh, but the publishing itself... Right, like here's the question I get all the time yeah. is, do I use the same designer for the interior as I do for the cover? Ah. I did not. Um, you know, do I have an illustrator who does illustrations on the inside? How much should I pay for an editor? Do I use a, a, a standard copy editor or do I use more of like a developmental editor or both? Uh, okay, so I made the decision that I wanted to have, I wanted to be able to work directly with the designer of the book cover. That was, and 
so I don't know what the Create Space people would have done for me on that because I wanted to have that control. And I okay. knew I knew somebody who did that. So I'm now as far as the the copy editing versus or the developmental editing versus straight copy and text editing, I wish I had bought more services on that. Frankly, really, because I wish I'd bought a higher level of services because uh, that is so critical for a person who's a reader, somebody who's going to read your book and base their opinion of your credibility on your book is not going to accept typos. It's not going to accept mm. grammatical errors. So do I would say to anyone out there, don't trust yourself to be to do that. Those are services right. that I would consider critical as a reader. Uh, as far as the illustrations are concerned, I had that done by the same person who did my cover design. However, Subsequently, I can tell you that there are services online that a friend of mine is doing a business fable with car- with like cartoon type characters. Mm-hmm. And he put he did a search through through one of the services that's out there, it, it, uh, some sort of a Google like search. Like an Elance or a... yes, I think it may have been Elance, and he okay. found fabulous people who were willing to do illustrations at like between twenty five and fifty dollars a an illustration, which wow. is really cheap. Uh, yeah. And, but I would say that anyone who wants a quality product is going to have to expect to spend at least a couple of thousand dollars not counting the services of a coaching person. That would be my guess. Right. Okay. And um, it, and I love you use this phrase of, a, of an expensive marketing brochure. Exactly. Um do you one of the things about a brochure that I think of is I will um you know, a lot of times with brochures I might pay a couple dollars, two, three dollars to have my brochures printed mm-hmm. and then I might give them out at a trade show or something mm-hmm. like that. Do you also buy your own books and, and give them out or send them out or yes, I do. do you mostly you do? Yes, I do. I and both. how do you make that decision and that investment? Is that something you actually budget for? Well, I have an I have an ongoing I have an ongoing tracking. So I will buy my books from the publisher uh, so that I always have fifty or a hundred books on hand, and sure. then I will make decisions based on my decision is usually based on do I think this person is going to either become an advocate for my book or they're someone who can personally bring me business. So I will give them books. I give away a lot of books. I track how many books I give away, and and I track how many books I sell. Because I also, when I give talks, I sell from the back of the room. I sell my books. My books are also available through Amazon.com and through Kindle and through Barnes & Noble, although not Nook, unfortunately. And And I get regular reports of book sales from them, based on the royalties that they pass along to me. So I have an ongoing tracking sheet of books that I've sold and books that I've given away, sometimes even with specific names, if I'm trying to make sure to follow up with somebody and say, hey, did you have a chance to read my book So you run it, I mean, that's how I run a marketing program. You're running it like an ongoing marketing program. Yes, because I made a decision that it was a marketing brochure, yes. Right. Um, well, so the the last question that I want to ask you today is really um, one that I think surprises a lot of people, which is just what was 
different than you expected. People go into the book process with one idea of how long it will take or what they will get out of it, and a lot of times what they end up getting is different. So can you tell us what was different or were there any surprises for you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. When I started, I got... Almost 40,000 words into writing the book and had an unavoidable revelation that it was the wrong book. Oh, my God. And yeah. for, for people listening who don't live by word counts, 40,000 is probably more than halfway through a book, I would guess. Yeah. Most books are 60,000, 70,000 words, something yeah. like that. It was, it was well on its way. And what I yeah. rec- what I what happened is that I had... The thing that I didn't know that was going to happen was that I learned about my topic. The more I wrote about my topic, the more I learned about my topic. And the more I had different opinions about my topic than when I had started. And I I was writing, I did this writing from from about April to right at Thanksgiving time. And at Thanksgiving time, I thought, this is the wrong book. It is not set up the way that I want it. And I called up my book coach and I said, I have an idea that I should be writing a tips-based book instead of a philosophical tome, which is what I had been writing. And he said, well, how many tips have you got? And I said, I bet I could sit down tomorrow and write uh, uh, write 70 of them, and list off 70 topic titles. And he said, well, let's see what you got. And I did that. And then from there, it was like, it blasted open, and then it took me almost no time to complete the book that I wanted to create. It took me about a, another month and a half, and I'm working. Wow. So right. It, it's not full-time, month and a half, 40 hours a week kind of thing. I wasn't writing 40 hours. No, I wasn't. Uh, and so what I would tell everybody is don't be afraid. The two things. First of all, don't be afraid if you make a decision to change what you've written because it's prob- you're probably going to change it because it's better. On the other hand, that standard saying is do not let perfect get in the way of done. Mm-hmm. So, right. <laughs> and I'm sure well, you I see think that. that is, yeah. Oh, absolutely. My When I was doing my PhD, I remember my advisor would always say to me, a, a good dissertation is a done dissertation. Exactly. So, we live by that, but I also like what you said about just being proud to to hold it in your hands and yeah. stand behind it, and it's it's not something that goes away as quickly as an email or a you know a tweet or something. So you want to make sure you're proud of it at the same yeah, time. Absolutely. So, well, Cynthia, I really appreciate the generosity with which you're sharing these tips because I think they're things that uh, that we all have to learn on our own, but but getting a heads up will really help a lot of people. If people want to find your book or learn more about you, can you tell them where to go? Uh, yes, you can either look on, you can just search The Charisma Edge by Cynthia Burnham, or you can go to my website, which is CynthiaBurnham.com, which is C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-B-U-R-N-H-A-M, like Burnham.com. And any one of those ways will direct you to my various ways of getting my book. And I will tell you, I love my book, and i I hope that people out there will also find it useful. Excellent. Well, I hope they do, too, and I really appreciate your time, and um, thank you again. You're welcome, and I will say, use a book coach.
<laughs> you the book coach. <laughs> Famous words. All right. I appreciate that. And for uh, for all of us at Book Journeys, I hope your book journey is a good one. And have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.